Wow, thank you. When we were in Thailand, we had very rare moments of leisure time, and in one of those, we were in a place that is affectionately referred to as the knockoff mall. They say you can buy anything there, luxury brands, anything. It may not be real, but at least it has the name on it. And we were just there wasting a bit of time and looking around. And while some of the guys were looking for McDonald's or, or uh, Burger King or Taco Bell, they're all there, I walked by a tailor shop and my eyes fell on some beautiful gray material. And long story short, before I knew it, I had agreed for this guy to make me a tailor-made suit. I had always wanted one, and 48 hours later, I had a completed suit that I brought home with me, and the team threatened me if I didn't wear it this morning. So I told Pastor Jim, I'm the most overdressed person in this room, but you know, that's okay. Make the team happy. Uh, it will be worth it. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Uh, we are here today right in the heart of Christmas time, as you've heard Pastor uh, Jim talk about in these last few announcements. We're at a time when gifts are being purchased and gifts are being wrapped, food is being cooked, and no doubt some of you are on the third day of putting together that easy-to-assemble thing that you purchased for somebody. Only takes a screwdriver, and you're on your third day. That's what Christmas time is all about. Well, at the same time, uh, parallel with all of that today is our final speaking opportunity here at Central as, as a formal part of the Central pastoral team. Don't you think that was good timing uh, to put those two together? So uh, it did confront me just a little bit with, with a question, where do I go this morning? What direction do I take? What do I actually talk about? Uh, we really don't need to say goodbye because we're really not going anywhere. Yet it is uh, very real to me and Deborah that a significant era uh, in our ministry life is ending and our future days and weeks and months will be different than they have been uh, in, in the past. I remember what we said the day we announced to you that we were retiring. We said to you that it's all about following Jesus each day, every day, and all of our days. Situations in our lives change, uh, seasons change, positions and titles change, but one thing never changes, and that is journeying through life, following faithfully wherever He leads. It's just that simple. As complicated as we might want to make it, it's just that simple following Jesus every step of the way. So uh, I've decided to do that today, to follow Jesus this morning and take us down the path he has pointed to me now for several weeks for this service. I do believe that for us as Christians, as followers of Christ, we should never ignore the reality of Christmas. I like everything about it. Uh, nor should we substitute, however, the message of this holy season for anything else, for something else. And it's so easy to get lost in everything that is thrown at us with the name Christmas. To be sure, the truest, most fundamental message of Christmas is, a, of course, the incredible story of redemption, often called the greatest story ever told. It is both familiar and fresh and ancient and orthodox all at the same time. It never grows old, grows old to the hearing. 
was John, the uh, writer of the fourth gospel of our New Testament. He provides some of the clearest and the most familiar words, enabling us to reach to the absolute roots of the best meaning, the true meaning, the true significance, and the enduring nature of this thing that we call Christmas, the dynamic story of love. In fact, John describes it in just those words in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, a story of love, God's love, for God expressed his love for the world in this way. He gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not face everlasting destruction, but will have everlasting life. Here's the point. God didn't send his son into the world to judge it. Instead, he is here to rescue a world headed towards certain destruction. Well, those words truly represent those tidings of comfort and joy about which we love to sing during this season. We call it often the good news. Again, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, John writes these words. In the beginning, the Word existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Through Him, all things were made, and apart from Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life brought salvation to humanity. And the light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. And those words, I believe, describe the heart of our mission. That babe of Bethlehem was the central character in that first Christmas, the original Christmas, so long ago. Today, he stands as the world's source of hope and light and reconciliation with God. For you and me here this morning, it is an awesome blessing to be able to testify to encouraging, uh, encountering his truth and to know that we are today walking in his actual footsteps. It is our joyous privilege to spread the news and to reach out to those still covered by spiritual shadows and to introduce them to Jesus, the light of the world. And it has been, and it still is, the passionate obsession of the church to make sure that message passes down through history and out to every nation, making it available to all people everywhere. And in spite of all of the obstacles and all of the opposition, even rejection and frequent persecution, that passion has continued now to control the church for the last 2,000 years. One more time, in the words of John, and the light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. So upon that pivotal truth, that it, it's, a, it's upon that pivotal truth that we ultimately want to land this morning. As you've heard, uh, there remains for Pastor Josh Seaman and myself as leaders of this team and the six others who went uh, as members, there remains a major challenge for us to finish the assignment that was given us. It's true, we can all say we all agree that God has spoken strongly, loudly, and deeply into our lives. 
We searched for it, and we found a strong vision for his plan for Thailand and the entire Muslim, a Buddhist world going forward from here. We believe that completing our mission involves sharing that vision, bringing back an optimistic report that this is God's time for the Buddhist world, and then seeing God the Holy Spirit instill that vision into your hearts, the hearts of the central family for whatever future he has for us in this critical mission. So let me reiterate in the form of a report that we did what we were sent there to do. We prayed, we observed, we evaluated, we learned so very much. In the days that we were there, we undertook eight purposeful prayer walks in temples, and in shrines among overwhelming crowds at times surrounded by all the brilliant color and noise and complexity to our eyes and to our minds and hearts. There were places with exotic names standing as centers for endless ritual offerings and often conflicting visual images. Uh, as required by everyone else, we also had to take our shoes off and we walked the same paths everyone else was walking. Yet we prayed in Jesus' name for his light to shine brightly, for his love to overwhelm the people around us, and for his spirit to bring revelation to their hearts. Those were all planned walks part of our schedule for the week. Along the way, we added to them multiple what I call pop-up prayer times, so to speak, just because the moment or the situation actually called for it. We prayed with and over 12 different missionary units and felt God's encouraging touch on each family and each individual. Their needs were as varied as yours are, many of them just like yours or mine. Others were fully related to uh, issues of work and weariness and thirst for encouragement and sometimes rest. There came a moment in our experience when we could hardly avoid relating back to Caleb's task of scouting out the land of Canaan in Numbers chapter 13, and a sense that there in Thailand, as back then with Caleb, there would be a report to be given of what we were experiencing. There would be observations we would need to offer, and there would be a way forward that we would need to define. And I'll tell you today that out of all eight of those team members, there was not one negative report among us. Nobody said this can't be done. Nobody said this is not for us. Everybody felt God speaking to our heart. Here's a bit of what we would like to offer you as a report. First of all, you need to know that Thailand is incredibly beautiful, hugely diverse, and filled with wonderful kind, creative, and capable people who make up the nation's population of 72 million people. The cities and the villages and countryside are all strongly characterized by some 40,000 impressive, intricate temples and shrines that are just everywhere. Monks were all around, 
saffron yellow, the constant, most prominent color that we encountered. Offerings were being made constantly to the Buddha in temples, in shrines, in the small spirit houses constructed near every home and every building to assure blessing and covering and protection. Offerings ranged from flowers to food to gold-clad elephant figurines and many other forms. In Buddhism, the people are in constant search uh, for means to gain merit, to improve their next reincarnated cycle. So they ring bells, strike ceremonial gongs, offer flowers, chant, all in a quest for merit, but always without any definite proof of success in their processes. We all noted quickly that feeling, relationship, faith, belief, even reverence did not seem to figure into their ritual-like actions. The key importance seemed to be in the barren act itself, the transaction alone for the purpose of gaining merit. Thailand is inextricably linked to Buddhism. Its culture and its worldview are fully Buddhist. It is often said in that land that to be Thai is to be Buddhist. I should say here that uh, in Thailand, Christianity comprises less than 1% of the total population of 72 million people. That's after nearly 200 years of hard, straightforward missionary endeavors in a land that upholds full religious freedom. Well, that stunted growth in the absence of a breakthrough over two centuries of missionary endeavor informs the biblical truth that difficult, resistant situations and environments call for intense prayer and intense fasting to bring us to a breaking, to an opening, as it was in the case in Matthew 17, 21. At the same time, that lack of breakthrough growth also highlights the truth of Zechariah 4 and 6, that changing situations many times will be accomplished, how? Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Another version of this verse reads, your strength and prowess will never be enough, but my Spirit will be. So let me tell you what we found in the church in Thailand. What God is doing there in the church is not about corporate structure or buildings or technology or programs. It is all about people. Talk to Pastor Anupar at the impressive Liberty Church in Bangkok with over 2,000 in attendance. And you will come away aware that everything in that ministry is about bringing people to God and providing them with opportunities to worship and to grow. In Chiang Mai, an hour's plane ride north, our team spread out for ministry in three different congregations. And all three times, we found hungry, sincere people following God in faith. 
Each, con each, each congregation represented a distinct context. And in those three churches, we preached and prayed and worshiped and fellowshiped and prayed over cars and witnessed people publicly declaring their faith through water baptism. And in the process, fell in love with the believers of Thailand. And while there, God's Spirit began impressing upon us that all the essential elements in that country are coming together for something spiritually significant in Thailand and no doubt in the Buddhist world. Remember the lyrics that Pastor Josh leads us in from time to time here on Sunday morning? There's a breaking in my favor. There's a shifting in my direction. There's a breaking in my favor as I praise. I love that song. We could sing it every Sunday and I would be happy because it's so optimistic. optimistic. It's so forward-looking, so full of hope. But I want to ask you this morning, when and what will it take for us to be able to sing there's a breaking in Thailand's direction. There's a shifting in Cambodia's direction. There's a breaking in Sri Lanka's direction as we pray. And I say, Lord, may it be soon. Lord, may it be now. You may remember when Mark Doreen was with us just prior to our trip, he shared a very interesting report. He told us of a congregation uh, of a sister church in central Thailand that used Christmas to reach out to 14 surrounding villages with a small Christmas celebration for their congregations, gifts for the kids and so forth. Christmas is seen in Thailand as a purely cultural or secular holiday, and many people observe it. Well, the church received permission and actually conducted all 14 of those crusades, of those uh, programs in 14 different villages. And in the process of each one of those very successful events, as they were led by the Holy Spirit, they would ask if anyone in the crowd wanted to hear the story of Jesus. And when Christmas was all over, in every one of those 14 villages, at least one person had raised their hand, indicated they wanted to hear about Jesus. And soon and ever since, 14 house churches functioned and grew one in each one of those 14 villages. For this simple project, with such a small beginning, out of that simple effort on the part of that one congregation, today the number of house churches growing out of that now numbers over 3,000 total, stretching across three provinces of Thailand. But are you ready for the rest of the story, at least up to today? That was back in 2016, under the ministry of the Pechabun Church, a sister church again in central Thailand. While we were there, Mark shared more information coming from that area of Thailand relative to a significant numbers of believers beginning to follow Jesus in public water baptism. 
something that was unprecedented in the missionary history of Thailand for the last 200 years and essentially unprecedented throughout the Muslim world. So here's the latest update. These are not estimates. These are not guesstimates. These are not evangelistic calculations or exaggerations. These are by actual count. Massive baptisms are underway. In 2018, a report of 444 people publicly baptized. In 2019, another report of 630 testifying to their faith publicly through water baptism. In 2020, a a baptismal service with 1,435 individuals being baptized. In 2022, 1,545 people. Do you catch the momentum of each one of these? 1,545 in 2022. And just this year, May of of 2023, 1,755 people baptized. September of of 2023, 1,902 people baptized in one service. In November, while we were there, a report of 2,327 individuals being baptized in one. And since we've left in December, this very month, a baptismal service that you're looking at right now with 2,399 precious Thai souls being baptized in water for the glory of God. And I have to tell you, if I can tell you, that deep in my spirit, I hear persistent, stubborn, faith-filled intercessors in Thailand and around the world from the past and from the present beginning to sing. There's a breaking in Thailand's direction. There's a shifting in Thailand's favor. And we say again, let it be, Lord Jesus not only in Thailand, but throughout the Buddhist world, let it be. Let it be that the eternal, everlasting light of the world, Jesus, will illuminate hearts, overcome the oppressive shadows of the evil one, and set people free. Now briefly, here's what we've concluded. God's timing for Thailand, Myanmar, Laos, Cambodia, Sri Lanka, the entire Buddhist world is here now. We stand before an opportunity to be a part, to make a difference. We would say to leave an indelible footprint. Whatever God's reasons in our following after him, We as a congregation are poised to impact the major grouping of the Buddhist world, yet waiting for their breakthrough. If we're to be a part, we will face choices. The need is for intercessors, for funding, and for workers. That is no different than the missionary formula, always, everywhere. The choice to give, to go, and to pray. Those choices will require faithfulness, not a push-button solution. 
Not an in-out, move-on tactic, but rather an as-much-as-it-takes type of faithfulness and commitment. We must also be prepared to sacrifice, I believe. He may ask you for your time in a season when our lifestyles are overwhelming. He may ask you for your finances in a tight family budget season. He may ask us to surrender our own planning, change our direction, and actually get up, answer his call, and send us to stand before the people in the Buddhist world and claim the name of Jesus. He may reach into our church and ask for our sons and daughters our grandsons and our granddaughters to go and stand in the front contending for the awesome people of those nations. All of these are challenging sacrifices, but we just must remember that they are sacrifices for him and for people who so desperately need the light of Jesus Christ in their lives. And as we also, we will face uh, incredible opportunities. The opportunity again and again, to speak the name of Jesus. That's another song I could sing every Sunday. I like the part about speaking the name of Jesus over my family. I usually lose it right there, and I start calling the names of every one of, of my family members. My grandkids walked in and surprised us a few moments ago. Jonas and Madison are over here with Deborah. And Becky and Jeremy are somewhere, and I call every one of their names while y'all go on with that song. i got to list my family members at that point. I love speaking the name of Jesus. Just think, we have the opportunity to learn and to know and to be informed and then speak the name of Jesus over the nations of Thailand and, 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 and uh, uh, Laos and the other nations of the Buddhist world, just like we do nations around the world, none of them forgotten in the process. And in so doing, we have the opportunity to hasten and witness the coming of the light to those precious hearts. Prophet Isaiah ordered everybody up one day. He said, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The voice version of that verse says, your light has broken through. The eternal one's brilliance has dawned upon you. Jesus said himself in John 8 and 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We stand before what appears to be an ordained moment for the Buddhist world. And the question before us, as always, how will we answer? In the coming months, you will receive lots more information more opportunities, a clear sense of our role and leaving a huge and impacting footprint across the Buddhist world. Satan, that dark enemy of ours and the nations and the peoples of the world and his overshadowing darkness will not prevail. Jesus put it this way, and the light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. Sunday, November 12, we were just back from uh, Thailand and still half asleep or something. And uh, 
I, I just felt like I had to come to church. And I came and sat on that second row over there all by myself. And worship that morning was electric, just absolutely electric, as you could just sense the power of God come down so strong. And uh, many of our team members have made this same comment, that it was only after we actually left Thailand that we began to recognize the heavy, barren emptiness of Satan's oppression in that land once we got home and got out from it. That's when we began to realize it. For me, it was that Sunday morning sitting right over there. I, I felt God's presence so real that I literally could only stand there and shudder and cry for the whole worship time. God's presence was so real. And I began to compare that with what we had been in and what we had come out of and the barrenness and the emptiness. And I could do nothing but thank God for the comparison of darkness and light and how precious and awesome and valuable it is to live in the light of the Word of God and the life of Jesus Christ. I want to bring us back to Christmas in conclusion this morning. This is a season of light. This is a season when we celebrate light coming into the world. That's what we do at Christmas time. If we discover the real meaning, we reach deep and, and we celebrate the light that we find in Jesus Christ. I hope we never fail to remember the darkness we came out of when we came into the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus. And so I want to end this service this morning by celebrating the distinction of light in a very dark world in which we live. The distinction of light in a very dark war, uh, day in which we are trying to survive and cope with life on an everyday basis. It could be that there are some of you in this room, you've yet to discover the breakthrough of God's light into your life. You do still feel like your life is dwelling in the shadows and you don't see the illumination that others around you in this building see this morning. And I want to tell you, the light can shine into your heart before you leave this room today. So I'd like for us to stand together as a congregation. And whatever else uh, you are going through right now, whatever your afternoon is going to bring for you, we need to pause life for just a few moments and thank God for the light of the Lord Jesus Christ that has set us free and broke through into our hearts and lives. As we pray for that uh, to sweep the Buddhist world and to sweep the nations of the world, let's begin by an offering of praise and gratitude to the Lord for bringing each one of us into the reality of his life.